Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I'm here with Jason Lang and he is a men's embodiment coach group facilitator and evolutionary guide, which we're going to have to talk about what that even means. Uh, but he helps men drop in and wake up with clarity and emotional growth and all the good stuff that we're wanting in mankind. Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm doing great. So excited to be here, Sarah. Okay. So you said, first of all, we've got to start with the good stuff, which is, I think you said there was a 16 month old little baby in the background at some point. Yes. You you may hear the various sounds of my house as we're recording this episode. I have a 16 month old, um, who's just a room or two over and she's in a very vocal period of her life, a lot of joy and energy to the household. So you may hear her chiming in at different points. Well, see, you've worked with men the whole time, but see, since I've worked with women, I can say, oh no, it's always a vocal time in their life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Forever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what's the best thing about being a, a dad? Oh, it just every day gets better. Um, it's just so exciting to see her grow and develop and her personality emerge and mm-hmm. just the joy that comes through her body when she gets excited about something. And, yeah, um, yeah it, it's definitely probably more than anything else I've done in terms of growth and work, like where it all comes yeah. uh, to the table in terms of how to show up with presence and in my masculine and relaxed and not get sucked into work, you know, that kind of stuff, but just be able to mm-hmm. totally be there for her. And it's been amazing to have, uh, I'm so grateful. I did so much work in my life before becoming a parent and can mm-hmm. just really appreciate just what it means to just be in presence with her and, and see what an impact that has on her. Well, what will be interesting too, as she gets older, this is what I found in my own parenting. I see, um, I won't say which child it is, but for one child, when they get upset about something, they just kind of like, <gasps> And like withdrawal and like the darkness sets in. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what happens with me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I genetically pass this on to you, you know, or they feel like their emotions get too big for their body or something, you know, something like that. And it's like, oh man, that is like my mirror right now. And all the stuff that I'm working on and I have worked on um, and the things I still need to work on, you can kind of see it in them. And that's such an interesting growth opportunity too. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. it's been great to um, have that as an opportunity to practice and, and for yeah. me to even in a year of, you know, shelter in place, being at home, oh, yeah. um, still having probably the deepest growth of my life, just, just being in her dad. Obviously you want men to evolve to higher versions of themselves, right? Is that what you do? Yeah. Yeah. I help men uh, grow into uh, more powerful, open, deeper expressions of who they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why do you feel like, it's going to sound so silly because it was like, duh, but you know, why do you feel like your work is needed um, as each, each sex? And I don't want to stereotypicalize yeah. everyone, you know, but each sex has their own different work. Um, where, why do you see this needed for men? Totally. Um, I mean, for one, just looking out in culture right now, particularly here in the West, I'm in the United States. Uh, a lot of men are just deeply suffering. There's just a mm-hmm. lot of men suffering and a lot, at least in my experience, a lot of times, some of the most awful news reports I, I, I see uh, tend to be oriented around things men are doing mm-hmm. um, and usually men that are in a lot of pain. 
and let me let me dive into that a little bit. Um, I worked. I remember walking into a room. I did a mental health campaign for teens, and I walked into a room with a teenager who'd gotten in trouble. So he was sitting there like in trouble. He got removed from class. He was in trouble. And I was trying to establish a positive behavior initiative training blah, 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 for young men, right? Yeah. Uh, how many school shooters have been female? Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I spent part of my 20s in Boulder, Colorado, and just oh, yeah. you know, it was just 10 days ago that really rocked the community I know there. Mm-hmm. And that's just something, you know, every time that happens, I read about it, and it's like, boom, another man, another man, another man. So to me, that's a manifestation of something much deeper in culture that's off here in the U.S., and, well, that boy, uh, I, I was talking about emotions and I said, yes, it seems like men only have permission to be happy or angry. And that teenage boy jumped out of his seat and his face lit up and he said, yes, you are right. Yeah. He wasn't, I wasn't even talking to him. I was talking to the adult like facilitator, you know, and he was, he just jumped and I was like, oh, that's heartbreaking, right? Yeah. Is that what yeah, you see? We're not. Um, totally. I think one of the big struggles that I see in a lot of men I work with, particularly, I do a lot of work with men around dating and relationships, um, mm-hmm. like we may talk about, but this impacts all men are, uh, we're really kind of only given maybe three archetypes for like mm-hmm. what the masculine can be in, in here mm-hmm. in the West. There's um, kind of the old school macho jerk, the right. kind of caveman, take what I want, damn the consequences, hurt anyone I, you know, along the way. Um, that a lot of guys I work with see and they're like, oh my God, no, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy, right? Um, All the examples we have in Me Too, um, painting pictures of those kind of men, there's just like a push away from that. And then we tend to also kind of have, particularly in a bit of the older generation, but in in this generation too, kind of the more just like stoic, withdrawn Mm -hmm. man who's just kind of in his own world, doesn't really express much feeling or emotion, maybe very honorable in terms of like doing his duty, but is just totally locked up in his being, right? You don't know what he's feeling. You don't know his history um, or his story. And then there's what what I tend to work a lot with is kind of the more not wanting to be either of those, the more kind of nice guy. Like I I do have a little bit more access to my heart and my sensitivity, but oftentimes I struggle in dating and relationships or making meaningful impact in the world. And there's like a little bit of disconnect around my power. So between Mm -hmm. those three, most guys kind of look at that and they're like, wow, (laughs) those are my choices. And we kind of get stuck in one uh, or the other or reacting against one and don't have many places to go. Mm -hmm. And then men's culture in general um, just isn't very robust here in the States, as I would say, you know, the best case scenario for a lot of guys I've worked with is maybe they had like a great coach in some kind Mm -hmm. of sporting situation growing up or like Cub Scouts. But beyond that, there's there's no ritual or culture, or anything that helps acclimate um, boys into becoming men of like, hey, here's what's possible. Here's what's what you want to aim for. And here's how to be. Here's how to be in your body. Here's how to be with your feelings. Here's what's okay. And to just give guys permission to explore and have those feelings and, and emotions um, is a total game changer for so many men who, yeah, uh, if anything, maybe they did express emotions, particularly in their formative years. And it, it, right, you're just shamed. You're shamed like crazy. You're called all kinds of names. Oh, you're you know, you're this. You're that. You don't cry. Da da da. And then guys just lock it down even more and and hold that inside. Um, well, and what I see happening. Well, and what I see happening in the dating scene, 
right? Because we bringing it back to that is the macho guys are making a big splash on the dating scene. And the nice, nicer people who maybe they need to learn to be more assertive or something like that, but they're good people. Like they're good, mm-hmm. you know, good people underneath. Um, but there's a, I see an incredible disconnect in, in my screaming to the ladies, like, don't go after the macho. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm like screaming. Totally. But what I've found in my work, I love your opinion on it. It's what's happening is like the first 10 or 15 minutes because you have to have that very initial meeting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if a girl has been hurt and she's like, well, I don't want to be rejected. So I'm going to wait for him to come to me and he needs to be the leader and he needs to be this. And I'm just going to sit here and not make myself vulnerable. He can make himself vulnerable. Okay. Which is what I'm yeah. coaching him not to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me here, let me hide. I'm going to use my own totally. book. Sorry. Be weird. It's just here. Let me hide. And maybe. Maybe a nice, a nice guy will find me. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, and it's just like, ladies, come on. Because the good guys are not making the biggest splashes. Yeah. Is that what yeah. you're seeing? Uh, there's definitely a lot of the nicer guys I know do, um, don't want to be that guy, the yeah. macho guy who's a little too forward or is just about sex or makes a woman uncomfortable. Um, and that's a, amazing thing. Like that's actually a great emergent in culture. I think the challenge can be sometimes then they actually disown or disengage a little bit too much from their own power, from their own um, ability to just feel attraction for a partner. So they can be, you know, I, I, I've worked with guys who, you know, maybe have gone on dates or built a relationship with a woman and she doesn't even know they like he likes her, right? Because it's so to- totally cut off there and kind of kept Ladies, you know, like friendly listen, listen. space. But but um, I want the women to hear that because what they're doing is like, well, I've already been hurt. So he has to like, there. let me have this barrier. And if you break through the barrier of my hurt and my pain, then yeah. you're the one. That's a bad strategy, right? Yeah, because it takes... Takes both, right? Both, both, both sides right now have to, um, what I would call, be doing the work uh, yeah. to be able to yeah. show up more fully in the moment. And you know, kind of taking it back to what we started with, uh, in my experience, and kind of witnessing men's work and men's culture, uh, women's work is a little farther ahead in, in mm-hmm. terms of you know feminism and everything that burst onto the scene in the '60s and '70s. Like women really kind of got to it. Like, okay, I don't have to just be what society told me I had to be. I can be out. I can have passions. I can have a career. I don't have to just be a housewife. And they got to develop all these different pieces of themselves and get into the work world and academics and um, exploring who they are. The men's work movements started a little later. Um, It was really not until kind of the late 80s, 90s that it started to kind of sink in and that a lot of men were like suddenly left like, what are we? What? What, do I, what am I? What's my worth now if my woman can make more money than me? Like that's mm-hmm. a deep thing for a lot of men who are kind of raised on a path of, well, your job is to provide. Uh, so those questions really kind of started to spring up what I would call the men's work movement, which is which is a little later to the game. And mm-hmm. so, the, you know, there are less men, I would argue, doing this kind of interior work 
to grow and to learn um, the skills and tools to, you know, as I would say, learn how to um, show up with an, with an open heart and not to be too crass, but still connected to their balls, right? So they can be <laughs> sitting in a relationship and yeah, I have that power. I have that drive. I do want you. I want to create something with you. And I feel you as a human being. I'm attuned to you. I don't want to take you anywhere. You're not ready to go. But here, here's who I am. Here's what I want. And here's what I'd like to lead us. You know, it's an amazing place that men can get to with the work um, that when they're then met with a woman who's also doing her, their work, right? right? Who, who also knows that like, oh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I have to open my heart before it's 100% safe, right? Uh, I got to so trust him a little bit. Back. No, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's such a, you know, I'm going to be speak harshly to women. Okay. Cause you're being very nice and you probably would not. And I don't speak harshly. Well, I don't really speak harshly to men because that's not my thing. You know, when you are, when you are asking men to do all the work of the relationship and the work of the vulnerability, and then you end up with a controlling man, please do not be surprised. Yeah. It is a dance. It is taking turns. And what I see with the feminist movement, it's like, Oh good. I can, you know, I am woman, hear me roar or whatever. But then it's like, but I still want him, the women who have been hurt, not the women who are super codependent, like vacuuming into, into yeah. men, but the women, it's like, okay, well, you know, you make all the moves, you make, you take all the work of the relationship. And I mean, my husband and I, I'm always so grateful for him. It's just so dang easy. It's so dang. We had, we had dinner the other night and we made dinner and for his, uh, my son's birthday and his parents came over. Right. So we made spaghetti and all this kind of stuff. Well, we didn't have a conversation about who was going to do what, like he went some of the groceries. We did. Then we ended up inviting more people. Then I got some groceries Then he made this part of the meal. I made this part of the meal. And I, I talked to my son about that. I said, did you see what happened? And then he took a shower and I took over and I took a shower and he took over. But that dance, that dynamic started our first week of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He texts me and I text him. And then I think he paid for the first two dates and I paid for the third. Right. And it was just like this <laughs> whole like this dynamic of responsibility and switching off responsibility in a healthy way. Yeah, I think it um you know, one of the things I tend to work with my men on, which kind of sounds like a bit of the mm-hmm. same thing you do, which the beauty of is when both partners are doing it. Um, yeah. it tends to lead to magic is yeah. uh, be the one who goes first. Uh-huh. So don't, don't wait, right. Be the one, uh, one of the most important things I tend to lead, teach my guys, particularly around dating and relationship is kind of the myth of confidence that uh-huh. a lot of guys want to be confident. I want to, want to learn to be confident, to approach women or to lead relationships and, I think that's just totally BS. I think confidence is BS. And I do not teach my men confidence because what most men, when they come to me, are saying when they say, I want to feel confident is I want to be able to control the outcome and never have to feel bad. Right? I want to know that I don't have to get rejected or feel yeah. bad or feel awkward. And that's just never going to be the case. Yeah, yeah. So what I teach instead is lead with vulnerability. So okay. real strength is uh-huh. real strength and courage is leading with vulnerability. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to go first. 
So here, here's what I want, or here's what I'm seeing, or here's what I like about you. Um, and the paradox is to lead with vulnerability, you actually have to be super confident. <laughs> you have to know exactly. that no matter what happens on the other side, I'm okay in who I am and what I want, and I can be resilient and get through that. So that same muscle then, you know, guys build and take into relationship of like, oh yeah, like, okay, I'm waiting here. She's kind of waiting there. I should go first. Like I can deepen this conversation or I can open things up here, or I can share a little bit, you know, of how I'm being impacted by her and her beauty or her attraction and kind of go first. And then it's awesome then when there's a partner who can reciprocate that, or sometimes she goes first as well, then it's like, oh yeah, like we're really in this. There's a feeling of being connected to someone. Um, I find in that experience. Yeah. And so with, and I know you mainly work with men, but if they're like, if there's a nice guy and I'm thinking, oh, you know, um, what are some signals that I can send to a nice guy to say, I'm interested in dating you. I'm interested in seeing you without powering over or seeing too much. Because uh, my late, most of my ladies don't want that either. But, but there has to be what you're saying is for the nice guys, you probably need some stronger signals. Yeah. Um, I would say for, obviously I can't speak for everyone, but for a lot of men, I know like verbal permission is a big deal. Just like hearing the words like, Hey, I'm really enjoying being here with you. And I, I would totally be interested in us getting together again sometime. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, okay, great. Now I feel safe. I can make a plan. I'm totally into that. Um, that's one for sure. Um, the, the other things, you know, are what I actually teach my guys in terms of mm-hmm. their responsibility is, you know, the more they can get into their bodies, and be present in the moment, the more they're going to actually be able to attune to whoever they're with and start to notice a lot of those signals that mm-hmm. are being put out there, but aren't necessarily verbal, like in terms yeah. of a woman's body language, her breath, her openness, her disposition, you know, what happens when you ask her a question? Does she immediately kind of pause and tighten up? Or is there like an opening um, mm-hmm. that that's one thing, you know, guys I work with can, we can develop that capacity to be able to more um, just notice that, right? Because uh, in, in my experience, for sure that, you know, um, feminine partners are giving us a lot of information all the time about their level mm-hmm. of interest, right? Just in their posture, just in their eye contact. and a lot of the guys I work with are just have never had that experience of being tuned into that and and miss a lot of that. So it does kind of start to create this little escalation where the women kind of have to, you know, be a little more forward. But um, I I love that you're doing that because at the same time, I'm trying to teach my guys to be a little bit more sensitive. So there'll be a little quicker meeting in the middle of like, she can just be a little bit more clear and he can like really pick up on that fast. Like, wow. Yeah. She's leaning into me and I'm leaning into her and there's real connection here. So I think we can, you know, we can, oh yeah, you want to go get another drink now, or let's plan a hike next Saturday. Like, you know, cause I'm really feeling that right now. So where do you suggest that females find uh, good partners, great partners? Um, do you have any favorite advice on that? Yeah. Um, like I said, the, the good news, bad news. And, you know, I'll just be straight here on this is I do think there are more conscious women right now than conscious men partly because of what I talked about in terms of just the timing of how this work has entered women's culture and, and men's culture. Um, 
So, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best. And I think some other guests you've probably talked to are doing their best to train up as many men as, as we can, <laughs> as fast mm-hmm. as we can, because I know there's a lot of women ready. Um, for me, what I would say is it, if you want to find a man who has what I would kind of call um, deep presence and has a level of consciousness to his being, right, about what he wants from dating and his life relating, uh, you got to go to the places where that kind of work is being done. So, uh, you know, part of what I would say, part of what I kind of tell my guys who tend to also be looking for a woman who's done some work on herself, is self-aware, knows what she wants in the world, um, has maybe done some healing work on, you know, her versions of what we deal with as men, um, is you're probably not going to meet that woman at a bar, mm-hmm. right? Because she's she's that's probably not where she's spending her time. She's probably spending her time in like yoga classes or meditation classes or meetup groups that are, you know, uh, meeting up around just, I don't know, things with a little bit more depth. So growth mindset. You, yeah, depth yeah growth. growth mindset. So if you mm-hmm. want to meet someone um, who's doing that, you want to be going to those spaces. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, a big thing I teach with my guys is um, fill your life up with things you are interested in and give, you know, give a crap about, so to speak. So start doing things you find passion in and value in, because when you're physically in those spaces, you're mm-hmm. going to start to find other people and women of similar values who do the mm-hmm. same. And so, um, you know, there's all kinds of co-ed versions of this type of work. Now um, there's consciousness groups, uh, authentic relating meetup groups. There's like a lot starting to emerge that is about, um, you know, connecting at a slightly deeper level than just randomly meeting out in the world. I'm not saying it's not, you know, it's totally possible to just meet someone at a bar, but in general, like, you know, as I grew and developed as a man, I wasn't going out to bars anymore because Mm -hmm. I wasn't drinking as much because it would mess up my sleep and my health. And, and so uh, I wasn't physically in that place. So you weren't going to meet me there. Right. So like my wife and I, we met at um, a meetup, a consciousness um, hacking meetup because that was, Mm -hmm. you know, we were both into consciousness and growth and boom, walked in and there she was. And there I was and walked across the room. And that was a great example of, I was somewhere where I was doing something I was passionate about. And so was she. And that was for me, uh, before I met her, one of the things I really knew I wanted in my next partner was someone as dedicated to their personal growth and spiritual path as I was already, meaning they already kind of had already, yeah. already had a path, right? She was already kind of doing her own thing and that we could kind of meet then uh, yeah. and already be on that walk together and boom. Uh, so I was in a space like that. And that's where I met somebody who, you know, one of the first things that attracted me to her, someone asked a question about something and she raised her hand and gave just one of the nerdiest answers about the yoga sutras I could have imagined. I was like, wow, it's like, she knows some stuff here. This is kind of cool. It's a little different than uh, uh, some other women I've met. But so that's what I would say is you you find a way to get into spaces. And I know we're kind of coming, you know, we're still in this pandemic and things are emerging of like what's next. But there a lot of these things are happening online right now. There's, there, yes. there is a lot of ways to get connected to people. People online every day. Very yeah, conscious totally. online every day, you know. There's from- a, a lot of things you can do outside. Um, yeah. You know, hiking is particularly as the weather warms up. There's like hiking meetups or outdoor yoga or meditation those kind of spaces. 
And then this is just my personal thing, uh, which is kind of part of my jam. But, you know, what I would say is if you ever meet a man and um, and you ask him, hey, are you or have you ever been in a men's group? And he says, yes, definitely spend some more time with that man. Because that's that's going to be a, a really good indicator of what's going on in his life. And um one of the healthiest things I have found, and you know, part of my mission is getting every man into a men's group for the many, many reasons it supports uh, the masculine in this day and age. So yeah, if I was looking for someone online, I might like search friends who had men's groups or like look up men's groups and see if any of those men live in my area and kind of online stalk them. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying yeah. to think weird way but totally kind of- little things like that i've also you know some of my clients have noticed that one of the the words they can kind of put in their profiles that does mm-hmm. tend to just filter a little bit and start to kind of draw on the right people is just the word conscious like i'm looking for a conscious partner and that alone uh, right it signals a lot of things about who you are oh what you value yeah baby you know I mean, yeah right like someone who's kind of aware of growth as an orientation and doing their work and the power of relationship itself to be a vehicle of growth. You know, it's one of the things I love about uh, my marriage and a lot of the guys I work with, that's what they want. They want to get into a relationship that itself is an engine for growth, right? We use our relating with each other to deepen as human beings and become more loving and see all of our shadow and learn to work through that because, you know, it totally comes up in any relationship. That's actually the one of the major engines of relationship, we get into a secure attachment. So all the things that weren't healed come up to be healed with each other. And with the right partner, we get to work through that in a pretty amazing way. Yeah, well, Jason, thank you so much for both the work you do in the conversation. Can you tell people where they can find more about you and your work and send their brothers and cousins and uh, best yeah. friends to you? Totally. Yeah, you can um, read all about me and my work and my writings and podcasts I've been on at evolutionary.men is my website. And so men can take a free training I have there. Uh, There's different blogs I've written. You can get in touch with me if you have any questions or um, uh, like anything you heard here. I do do, not right now because of uh, the pandemic, but in non-pandemic times, I do some live weekends with men where men can actually get in the room with each other and learn, like you said, to embody different emotions, to express themselves, to feel safe and vulnerable with other men, um, which is a really powerful way to then um, kind of build that capacity and build that muscle. So it's much easier to do in relationship as well with someone um, we're attracted to or um, interested in. That's awesome. Jason, thank you so much for coming here. Check him out at evolutionary.men.com. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, thank you for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.